new type of movie villain is cashing into the box office. Contagion was number one in its opening weekend. And the people who've seen this terrifying story of a global virus are not walking out saying it's just a movie. On day one, there were two people, and then four, and then 16. In three months, it's a billion. That's where we're headed. Well, that clip was from almost nine years ago now, uh, from or a news report about the movie Contagion, opening at number one in the box office. Hi, this is uh, Dr. Miguel again, checking in with you. So it's just been a week since the last episode, and, and a lot has happened in this last week. The Wuhan virus has spread far faster than I would have predicted a week ago. And if you're listening to this, I'm sure you've been following the news. So as of today, we have more than 6,000 cases identified and confirmed, most of them in China. Uh, we have a number of cases in many other countries, including five so far in the United States, and three uh, in Canada, two in Toronto, and one in Vancouver. We also have confirmed human-to-human -human transmission among people who've never traveled, uh, both in Germany and in Japan. So today I'm going to talk about where we could be headed from here and what to do to protect yourself and your loved ones. By the way, if you haven't already looked, one of the best places to get some up-to-date and accurate information is from the CDC Atlanta websites at cdc.gov. So we've had 20-30% increases in the number of reported cases each day, and the number of uh, casualties has risen to over 100, and another 150 or so are uh, supposed to be in critical or severe condition probably in intensive care uh, unit settings in China. Uh, thankfully, we haven't had any deaths uh, confirmed in uh, countries outside of China that I'm aware of today. So this virus has really taken over. Um, every year uh, for the last decade, I've been teaching a class to our undergrad students at the university on respiratory viruses. And it just so happened that uh, that lecture um, I gave a couple days ago uh, and this year, my students were much more attentive than they usually are about these viruses. Now that SARS epidemic occurred uh, when most of my students were probably only two or three years old, so none of them had any direct recollections of it, of course, but now they're living through their own epidemic. So the thing is, no one, of course, can predict the future, but we can base our predictions on what has happened in the past and what we know about the virus now. So we know that SARS uh, basically burned itself out uh, by the uh, mid of 2003. Um, now that correlated with sort of the end of cold and flu season in the northern hemisphere. So um, when, once temperatures were warmer and it became humid, then uh, the virus is less likely to be transmitted so as I taught my students on Monday, SARS is an enveloped virus. So what that means is the virus particle itself has an envelope that is derived from the human cell or the host cell that it uh, buds out of. Now this envelope is made out of the host's own cell membrane. So it's uh, partly this phospholipid bilayer, uh, which has um, part of the, uh, of the host proteins in it uh, and also part of the um, virus's own proteins uh, embedded in it. And one of the purposes of the envelope is to 
uh, is, is thought that it helps evade the immune system so that um, the immune system won't uh, recognize it as a foreign particle right away because part of it is uh, derived from the host itself. Now, one of the, the disadvantages of the envelope uh, is that it's a phospholipid bilayer, so it's um, kind of a, a few molecules of cholesterol and lipids that uh, don't um, have great integrity outside of the body. And so they are quite vulnerable to getting dried out uh, and to environmental degradation. Uh, well, actually, I shouldn't say dried out because humidity uh, causes um, envelope viruses to degrade uh, quite faster than uh, dry conditions. So that's why envelope viruses um, don't survive very well on surfaces. And in the summertime, when it's hotter and more humid, uh, they break down faster in the environment. So if a sick person were to sneeze and uh, all over their hands and then touch a doorknob, if that doorknob uh, was uh, in direct sunlight and it was hot and humid outside, that virus wouldn't last very long on that surface. It would degrade and no longer be infectious. Whereas uh, in the winter time when it's very low humidity and it's uh, cooler and there isn't uh, direct UV radiation, uh, then the virus uh, will last quite a bit longer on that surface and be more infectious. So again, SARS is a enveloped, enveloped uh, virus and uh, probably won't transmit as well um, during the uh, warm, humid months. Uh, and the Wuhan coronavirus uh, is predictably going to do the same. So we can hopefully look forward to less transmission during uh, the summer months. Of course, less transmission combined with heightened awareness with lots of masks and better hand hygiene and better behaviors like coughing into your um, arm and staying home and away from people when you're ill, uh, those can all lead to the epidemic burning itself out before the summertime. When, and our hope is that the virus will not uh, anymore, will no longer circulate among the population and basically end just like SARS. Uh, unfortunately, the SARS virus seemed to be um, uh, have a higher fatality rate uh, than uh, the uh, Wuhan virus. And one other possibility is that it may end up being like uh, the flu, the, the H1N1 of 2009, the uh, swine flu, uh, where you know this new virus emerged and infected a whole population and remains in low-level circulation even in the summertime. And then um, every winter, it sort of comes back out to, to infect uh, people again. So our hope is that, that this uh, virus doesn't keep reappearing um, every winter time. But that is another possibility. This may become one of the new circulating viruses um, globally. Remember, there are two other um, coronaviruses, at least two others, that cause um, human disease every year and are basically in low level circulation throughout the world. So perhaps this could become one of the new ones. All right, so now how do we protect ourselves? So there's lots of information on the internet. Again, if you want to read it for yourself, go to the CDC website. There's a nice FAQ section, which gives you basic information about hand hygiene and, and things like that. But one of the somewhat controversial methods is the use of masks. Just watching the media you can see 
there's experts on both sides recommending masks. Uh, people in China, uh, public health in China is recommending everyone wear masks in Hong Kong. Whereas if you looked in North America, uh, many of the public health officials in North America are kind of almost laughing at the use of masks, saying that uh, they might just cause a false sense of security and don't really help with preventing the virus spread. Well, um, as you can probably imagine, the truth is somewhere uh, in the middle. So let's talk about masks first. So there's lots of different kinds of masks. There's dust masks, surgical masks, and uh, N95 or higher masks. So what the N95 mask is, so let's talk about that, which is probably the most common one you can find um, around other than the surgical masks. The N95 mask filters particles uh, of a certain size, 95% uh, of particles of a certain size. Uh, helps for allergies and for preventing tuberculosis, uh, things like that. Uh, and then surgical masks don't uh, have any such claims, but they just prevent basically gross droplet um, spread or inhalation. Uh, so the pores in them are quite a bit bigger. Now, masks are the most effective when they're put on the person who's infectious. So if somebody has coronavirus and you put a mask on them to prevent them from spreading their droplets, uh, that's uh, the best uh, use of the mask. So in that sense, um, uh, the widespread use of masks uh, is a benefit for anybody who has any sort of symptoms of a cold to prevent uh, further spread. Now, what about you if you're healthy uh, feeling and you don't want to get um, ill? Uh, do masks help? Um, yes, but only if used correctly. So that's a big if. Um, first of all, uh, there's evidence uh, saying that there's not any difference uh, in infection rates of influenza whether somebody uses an N95 mask or just a basic old surgical mask. So it's not necessary to wear an N95 mask. A surgical mask, uh, at least the evidence so far, shows that it's equally effective uh, for preventing influenza and, and uh, probably for coronavirus as well. If you've ever worn an N95 mask, you probably uh, remember that it's kind of hard to breathe through it. You certainly can't use an N95 mask when you're doing any heavy labor or running around. Uh, you'll have a bit of trouble breathing through it. And then it's if you have to take it off or kind of crack it open, that totally defeats the, the purpose of the N95 mask. Uh, so it's useless if not used correctly. The surgical mask is quite a bit easier to breathe through, um, but of course it can also easily uh, get worn out, get wet, and then it's not doing its uh, such a good job uh, anymore. Also that N95 mask has to be fitted properly so that you don't have any air leaks around your face. Uh, again, if not used properly, it's not going to do uh, any good. But one of the most overlooked things is um, the false sense of security that you get with wearing a mask and then you're not you may not be paying as close attention to what you're doing with your hands. So that's the big problem. So if we go back to the um, 2003 SARS outbreak uh, in Toronto, uh, we saw that um, some healthcare workers uh, acquired SARS uh, from the patients and they were wearing all of the protective equipment, gowns, gloves, masks, face shields. But when they looked and reviewed, there were breaks in the way they took off um, their equipment. So, for example, you know, they're in a room with a SARS patient who's coughing, droplets flying around with infectious particles. 
Uh, some land on the mask, some land on the face shield, uh, some land on the gloves and, and the gown. And so when it comes time to take off all of the equipment, uh, you take off your gown, your gloves, and then you touch your, with the, your bare hands, you touch your face to remove your mask, and then you've all of a sudden contaminated your hands um, and your face. Uh, sorry, you've tempted your hands by touching the outside of the mask uh, and or the, um, the face shield. And, and then if you don't do a good job washing your hands after, um, then you go out of the room and then you, you rub, your, uh, rub your eye or scratch your nose, uh, touch your hair, then you spread the particles around. And uh, so that's the theory behind why some people, some healthcare workers who, despite good precautions, still got SARS. We can see the same thing that happened in um, the Ebola outbreak. So it was uh, all about um, having no breaks in your uh, protective barriers and following all the right procedures. So that's why um, some of the public health people aren't strong believers in the mask because they know in practical use it uh, will never be used uh, that well. People will still rub their eyes, uh, take the mask off uh, when they're looking at stuff, and then in doing so, touch their face, and then that's no good. That'll just, uh, that's worse than um, than uh, no mask and just washing your hands and, and making sure not to touch your face. So if you do a mask, so the best things with a mask is if you have symptoms, wear the mask so that you don't transmit whatever you have to other people, uh, and then, um, if you do wear the mask, wear a mask in public or you're traveling, you really have to pay attention to what you're doing with your hands when you're taking on and off your mask and, and touching your face in between. Uh, that said, uh, there's an anecdote, but anecdote doesn't make evidence. Um, but uh, in, a, in a family in, um, in China who, who uh, traveled to Wuhan, um, all the family members got sick except for the 10-year-old child who had been wearing a mask. Uh, the whole time uh, but again shouldn't place too much uh, emphasis on that single case report or report okay so let's talk about uh, hand sanitizer so Purell and other similar things are alcohol-based hand rub so those are effective at um, deactivating coronavirus but again you have to use it properly so what you don't want to do is use your alcohol hand rub and then use a tissue to wipe it off so the effectiveness of alcohol hand rub comes from the drying action. So as the alcohol is evaporating from your hands, that is when it's denaturing the proteins in the uh, virus. That drying action is so important and you also need a little bit of water content in there. So pure alcohol like the 99 or 100% um, isopropyl or ethanol um, that you might find does not work as well as a alcohol mixture with water because you need um, you need both so bottom line use the alcohol hand rub and let your hands dry naturally don't use a, a tissue to wipe off the, uh, the alcohol hand rub uh, soap and water works probably the best uh, as long as you um, make sure you have all surfaces of your hands uh, washed it's quite hard to do that also properly and the most important thing is not to touch your face. And so we all do that unconsciously. So you rub your eyes, scratch your nose, um, chew on a, a pencil, um, all sorts of things like that, uh, which we don't even notice. So if you, if you're, if you want to see what you're doing, just have somebody watch you 
um, for 10 minutes and you watch someone else and you can see all this all the many times that people um, unconsciously touch their face and that's probably just as important way of catching um, a respiratory virus as someone coughing uh, on you directly or you inhaling it from the air so anything about a vaccine uh, let's hear it from uh, contagion movie if we even had a viable vaccine right now, we would still have to do human trials, and that would take weeks. That basically sums it up, so we don't have any viable vaccines in the near future. So hopefully uh, we have some better news next time I check in with you in a week's time. And in the meanwhile, keep healthy and keep safe. If you have any comments or questions, you can drop us a line at podcast at germsandworms.ca. Again, that's at podcast at germsandworms.ca. I can't give you medical advice over the internet, however, so just general questions, please. Thanks.